Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church. My name is Alex Noel, and I used to be the youth director here many, many years ago. I'm currently part of the church board, and Brian's asked me to preach today, and I'm, I'm happy to, to take that honor to talk to you about what I've got today. I need you to know that I was trained as a teacher. Currently, I am a teacher, and I'm a high school teacher but my training was in teaching elementary. And so a lot of the things that we're gonna talk about today are gonna draw from that part of my experience. Uh, so hopefully that's something that you can relate to as most if not all of us have been to school at least at some point. That being said, one of my favorite things about being a teacher in particular, about working with the younger students that I get the chance to work with, is their enthusiasm. Younger kids are really, really easily excited. And so when you get to school in the morning and you say good morning to those kids, they're always like, hey, yeah, it's so good to be here. And because they're so excited, we can have a lot of fun. And that enthusiasm is something that uh, is a huge difference between the younger kids and the older kids that I usually teach. Right now, uh, most of the classes I teach are all upper high school, so mostly grade 12 and grade 11. And not that those kids are not necessarily excited, but it's the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm isn't quite there anymore. I don't think that that has to be the case, and that's something that I want you to keep in mind as we go through here. Now. The vast majority of the strategies that we learn in education school that are good for little kids are good for everybody. The difference is how we tweak it a bit. And so, as again, as we're working through this, I'm going to be using some of those strategies, but we're going to tweak it a little bit. For example, with the little kids, we often use an analogy. <clears throat> excuse me. With the little kids, we often use an analogy. Uh, called bucket filling. So the idea behind bucket filling is that uh, every kid has a metaphorical bucket. Inside of that bucket is the interactions that they have with other students. A kid that is a bucket filler is filling the buckets of other kids. So they are the kids that are kind, the kids that are courteous, the kids that are generous. Every time you do something that is like that, you're filling somebody else's bucket. Someone who is waking a withdrawal from somebody else's buckets, being rude. They are going out of their way to make somebody's day a little bit worse. And so this is how uh, often I will frame the relationships that kids hope to have with one another, at least with the younger students. Now, I think of the buckets of children, like those four little buckets of ice cream that you can find in the grocery aisle. Those buckets are pliable. They get the job done. You can fill them with four liters. That's not a small amount of things. However, they are malleable, and in some cases, they can be quite brittle. So something not often addressed with that analogy, uh, at least with the kids, is that most kids uh, want to fill their buckets with fairly positive things. We have these kids showing up to school really genuinely hoping to have a good day. And because of that, it is easy to influence a child to have a good day. Rather than trying to push against the direction they want to go, we are working with what they want to do. Kids don't show up wanting to be a problem. And because of that, if we work with them, we can help them not be a problem. I'll give you an example. When I was in seventh grade, I, I don't want to say I was a problem child, uh, but I wasn't the best student per se. So in seventh grade, I don't remember exactly the situation that happened, but I do remember that somehow I helped to solve that situation. My grade seven teacher, Miss Dubik, came up to me after all of that happened, and she said, Alex, you showed a lot of wisdom. 
Some might call that the wisdom of Solomon. I went to a Catholic school, and after she talked to me a bit about who Solomon was, she showed me the passages of Solomon's reign uh, from about 1 Kings chapter 3 all the way to 1 Kings chapter 10. And I read through that. And when I learned of the concept of this, this man who asked God for wisdom, I attached that to my identity. It's something that I had filled my bucket with, and I kept it in there for literally the entirety of my life. Now, as I got older, eventually I read on to 1 Kings 11, rather than stopping at 1 Kings 10, like she had said. And I know she meant the comparison to Solomon as a compliment, but looking at how Solomon's life ended, it's much, much different than how Solomon's life began. So today, I want to look at Solomon. I think that the story of King Solomon is perhaps the most important cautionary tale of the entire Old Testament. And I think it's worth taking a really good deep dive into. Solomon, for those who don't know, was the son of King David. Uh, King David having a, a large chunk of the Old Testament, or at least that early part devoted to him and to his adventures uh, being delivered from Saul and his rise to king. Solomon's own journey to the throne was eventful, let's say. And although it's really, really interesting, and I encourage you to take a look at it, it's not something that we're going to cover today. So let's start reading from 1 Kings chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 5. It says, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around, kind of like those new elementary students I was talking about. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and so numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'll give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else had ever heard of or have ever had. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands, as your father David did, I will give you a long life. And so we have this young king who had to work hard to get to the throne that was promised to him uh, to his father on his behalf. Now Solomon, in this moment, has the opportunity to ask for anything, but he asks for wisdom. That, in my opinion, is the sign of someone who wants to lead well. He showed up to this job uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. He wants to do a good job, and he wants to do something positive. Uh, again, like those kids I was talking about, I know it seems weird to talk about uh, Solomon, King Solomon, and compare him to elementary kids, but I really do think the comparison is there. We have 
students who show up and want to do well. They, they show up and they want to be a positive influence on their environment. And we have Solomon, uh, who is in the ultimate position of power uh, on the earth, and he also wants to have a good influence. He wants to be positive, so he requests wisdom. Solomon, at this point, uh, is like that elementary student. He's excited for school. Uh, he just wants to do his best, and God honors that. God gives him a wise and understanding heart. Solomon's bucket at this point is overflowing with optimism and sincerity. So when we move on from 1 Kings chapter 3 into 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, we see that Solomon has already begun using his wisdom to govern his people. You have the, the famous story of the prostitutes coming to Solomon and saying, whose baby is this? And Solomon helping them deal with that. Uh, we have people coming from all over the place to learn from Solomon's wisdom. Solomon was so wise that people came from all the lands, again, from prostitutes to kings of other places. Uh, by the end of Kings chapter 4, Solomon is well known for his wisdom. He had knowledge uh, to gain the wisdom of a variety of plants and animals. He took the time to study botany and to study ecology, and I, as a science teacher, <laughs> I, I, I get that a lot. I understand that, and I admire that. He had more wisdom than the wise men of the surrounding nations. Solomon was the real deal because he wanted to be. In the teaching world, we would say that somebody like this is a bucket filler. This is someone who goes out of their way to make other people's days better. And so throughout Kings, you see account after account of King Solomon uh, gaining the respect of his people, of leading them into an era of prosperity, just like God promised. By the time we get to Kings chapter 10, 1 Kings chapter 10, Solomon had a wealthy and healthy nation. He had the admiration of his people. He had the respect of other nations. He had built temples that were famous and would be famous. Even though we have not seen them in our day and age, we still talk about the temples of Solomon. Solomon did an excellent job as king up to this point. And then all of a sudden, you cross that threshold from 1 Kings chapter 10, again, essentially counting uh, everything that he's done well, all the riches and all the prosperity of Israel, to 1 Kings chapter 11, titled, at least in my Bible, Solomon Has Many Wives. Now, Solomon, at this point, had turned away from God. We don't really get in Kings when that transition happened, but it did happen. Uh, and when I read that for the first time, it seems just overnight, all of a sudden, uh, Solomon went from doing all these amazing, amazing things, here's a list of all those things, to suddenly, uh, here's all the things that he's decided to do instead. Solomon at this point, like I said, has turned away from God. He had taken on 700 wives and 300 concubines from all different places. In Earlier in 1 Kings, God specifically warns him against not only taking wives, but taking a bunch of wives, but taking a bunch of wives of different nations, saying that they're going to turn you away from God, and that they did. He, at this point, has erected statues in the name of false idols and begin to worship them. This is the wisest man in history, at least that's what we're given to, that's what's implied here. And so, what happened to Solomon? What led 
to that change? And perhaps more importantly, what can we learn from Solomon's change? Here's how I think about it. If you'll indulge me for a moment, let's go back to this bucket thing. As you get older, and this is the part we don't really talk about with kids, as you get older, your ability to handle things expands. You're a little more set in your ways. So in my mind, this means that your bucket has become bigger. It's a little more solid. It's more rigid, uh, perhaps more durable, similar to the paint buckets that you'll be able to find in the hardware store, several gallons in volume. You can hold a lot more than you could as a child, but you're a little more rigid in who you were. The change from that malleable small bucket to the big, solid, large bucket, uh, it takes time. It takes growth. And that change happens for better or potentially for worse. I think that Solomon became cynical. I think that Solomon, day after day, year after year, between the problems of prostitutes to kings and everybody in between, I think that Solomon became bombarded with the problems of the world. I think that he saw that the problems of his people and the surrounding nations were endless, and that despite the prosperity of Israel at the time, those problems would never end. People would always need his wisdom to help get them through. I think his change was slow. And I think when he realized that he changed, he had changed so much that he decided it didn't really matter. He shrugged his shoulders, threw his hands up in the air, said, if this is going to keep happening, if I have to tell the same people the same things over and over again, What's the point? So what can we learn from Solomon? Day in and day out, we get news from around the world. It's rarely good. Uh, I know this because I, I am addicted to reading the news. It's a bad habit that I have. And if you want to find good news, you really do need to go out of your way to seek out that good news, which is important. So remember that I just said that. We see problems happening, whether it is economic or political or with health or anything. We see problems and we think we might have better ideas to solve it. It's kind of like uh, watching a game show, if anyone's ever done this, or maybe it's just me. You watch a game show and you see the contestant answering the questions incorrectly and you sit on the couch and you're thinking, what are you doing? The answer is so obvious. But it's easy for you and me to say that because we're not in the hot seat. At least that's what I do. Uh, so I don't watch a lot of game shows. It stresses me out. When we think we see the solutions to problems, that can get even more frustrating. So I imagine that the wisest person in Israel, the wisest person perhaps in history, seeing all those problems, seeing potentially the actual solutions to those problems, and having nobody really take his advice. I'd be frustrated. And so when I'm watching the news and when I'm seeing all these things happen in the world, I really do need to take a second and, and examine my own bucket, so to speak. What does my bucket look like? What have I allowed to be placed in here by others? What have I placed in here myself? As a teacher, one of my biggest hopes is that the students that I work with understand the influence that they can have on themselves. My hope 
is that they learn that their mood, their day, and their decisions are very much something that they can, they can control, they can influence for the better. I tell them how you start your day matters. When you wake up, is the first thing you do uh, checking social media to see the latest gossip? Is the first thing you do checking the news to see the latest terrible thing that's happened? How much sleep you get matters. It's hard to focus on anything when you're underslept. And when you don't sleep, it's easy to focus on things that garner the most emotion, aka the terrible things. You can and do fill your own bucket. But what you fill it with, that's something that you can work on. It is okay to be exhausted by the barrage of news. It is okay to need a break from things. Take your break. But use that break to fill your bucket with things that are going to make your days better. I know it sounds cliche, but when you are encouraged to start your day with prayer and with devotion. Uh, part of that is because it's a good way to start your bucket with something that is filled and that fills you, something that's positive. Your problems are not going anywhere, so you don't need to rush to dive into them every day. But it's important to start your day in a way that is positive. When I think about the buckets of the elementary students that I get to work with, what I think about is how easy it is to change the tide. It's, it's easy to change the contents of that bucket. For little seventh grade me, I don't know what was in my bucket that day, but I do know what was in there after that exchange with my grade seven teacher. She drastically altered my day. I know that because she drastically altered my life. Like I said, that comparison to wisdom in Solomon is something that I've kept with me for the entirety of my life up to this point. It has been decades, and it's still there. So what can we do to add some of that to our own bucket? What are solid foundations that we need? So in the morning when you wake up, what are you going to choose to do? What are you going to do before you go to bed? You're going to set an alarm so you go to bed on time? You're going to end your day in prayer? What change is needed for the contents of your bucket? Changing four liters worth of content is not nearly as difficult as changing several gallons worth. And so if you need a change, it's got to start somewhere. It's okay to start small. I don't think we can ever really know what caused the change in Solomon. I don't. Obviously, I wasn't there. Can't talk to the guy. But I know that a change happened. I know that, and it tells us this in 1 Kings uh, chapter 11, God wasn't very happy with the decisions that he was making. God said to Solomon, because of your changes, because of this uh, potentially cynicism that has developed, your kingdom is going to be split. Yes, your son will get to rule, but only part of the kingdom. You broke your end of the bargain. I gave you this wisdom, and you were given prosperity. And so, when we look at the story of Solomon, I think our best place to start 
to avoid what happened to him uh, is way back with our elementary selves and the elementary kids of today. It's enthusiasm. Kids want to be positive, and I think when we want to be positive, we can do the things that Solomon did at the very beginning. Solomon, with an enthusiastic and sincere heart, requested wisdom, and we can do the same. What is it that you need to grow? Does something need to change, and how do you go about doing that? I don't know what you need, but I know someone who does. So that being said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the people who desire change and the people who desire wisdom, and I pray that you, you give it to them. I pray you give us the opportunity to be wise, and I pray you give us the opportunity to understand what we need in order to maintain our enthusiasm and our positivity for serving you. Help us to take the breaks that we need to and help us to fill our buckets with the things that will serve your kingdom. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, everyone.